I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself, or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the podcast. I'm not Juliet. I'm not Theo. Once again, and still, it's um, still. And today we're going to be discussing Base Camp, which you can tell from the title of the show. Um, whatever that turns out to be, I'm sure we'll mention Base Camp. Oh, so, yes. but before we get into that, let's chit chat a little bit. How was your week, Theo? What's going on? What's the news? The news is there's no news, and they're conti- well. I mean, there's loads of news, right? Ryanair was forced to land. <laughs> no, in I don't mean Belarus. that kind of news. Oh, I mean okay. personal news. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about the world. Um, well, I will say my week is just the same, all same old, which is awesome now, and. Uh, this weekend, I had a very Theo weekend. I made two Ooh. loaves of bread, one on Friday, nice. one on Sunday. Yes, yeah, super fun for me. I want to know what kind of bread. It's just like white bread. but Sourdough? White bread? Okay. A, yeah, just plain old white bread, but you make it inside a, I'm going to say colander, and that's not it. It's a Dutch oven. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. so it comes out like crusty French bread. Um, Delicious. And went to a bunch of thrift stores and didn't buy anything, Ooh. but probably inhaled about a thousand years worth of dust. And so, yeah, yeah great. Um, yeah, and that's that was blast. it. Yeah. My weekend was probably not as uh, fun as yours. Well, I went from Arizona to San Francisco over the weekend driving because that's how I do it, especially with the dog. And I stayed overnight in Los Angeles, um, which was totally fun, even though I didn't get to do anything because dog, like I said, I can't just take a dog out to dinner, uh, which is unfortunate. But I I do stay, and this is not really a plug, but kind of a plug. I stay at Kempton Hotels a lot because they're really dog-friendly and pet-friendly in general. And they have nice nice hotels that aren't super, super expensive and that you can um, take your dog to. So I stayed at the Kempton Everly, which is, in I think, in Hollywood. It's right by that Capitol building um, and by the W Hotel, uh, which I think is also dog-friendly. So I might stay there next time. But I had a great time. I had a nice room with a view of the pool and a view of some of the city and it was just extremely comfortable. The bed is super, super comfortable. I got to find out what kind of mattress they use. You did and, flip it um, over to look for the tag. I did flip it over to look for the tag. <laughs> oh, I do shit like that. If I'm like, wow, these pillows are really soft. What the fuck are they? Well, the, the great thing is that they have, I'm sure they have a website that tells you what their pillows are. Because the Fairmont does. And I bought a Fairmont, two Fairmont pillows. This like is why you are totally the smartest person I know. <laughs> So I got to check the Kimpton and find out what their brands are. But anyway, um, I got room service and I watched part of Army of the Dead, which I fell asleep. Me too. Not that it was boring. Did you fall asleep? No, but I watched I watched oh. Army of the Dead over my iPad. Uh, yeah. And tuned in and out. Yeah, I I thought Tig was great. Um, I I didn't watch up until the part where it gets my friend Michelle, and you don't have to bleep that out, Theo or Brent. Um, my friend Michelle says it gets really dumb. But I didn't see the part where it gets really dumb, so I'm going to watch that later. But I, I just I'm really watching it for Tig Notaro. So uh, well, you know, I'm a big Tig fan. She I am. was awesome in all those scenes. Yeah, I totally definitely awesome. paid attention to when she was <laughs> on screen. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was a big who cares as I was watching it. And uh, I like uh, some zombie movies sometimes, like even though I'm a big chicken, oh, which reminds me, yeah. I'm good with like things like The Walking Dead. Like I'm all into, well, I used to be all okay. into that, seven episodes, okay. seasons, and then it got bad. But um, speaking of chicken, I took your recommendation for Rain. Rain? Uh, who's Afraid of Rain? Fear of Rain? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you said was lightly entertaining. And I'm going to yeah. tell you, Lizzie Borden, um, your idea of lightly entertaining and mine are... Axe widths apart. <laughs> so what did you think? I only watched the trailer because it was fucking scary. <laughs> I'm sure the trailer was a thousand times scarier than the movie. I mean, so. maybe, but it was scary enough that, like, 
uh, yeah, no, I wasn't going to do it. I was like, you were going to no, watch it? Can't okay. do it. Can't All do right. it. It sounded so cool and interesting. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I totally and, forgot all about it. Oh, well. Horrifying. Well, I, I'll be careful what movies I recommend to you or what I recommend to you. Oh, keep, keep, I'm just always watching trailers, right? <laughs> That's all. Your recommendations come with a permanent note of caution. Caution, this may be horror. <laughs> that is... Described as lightly well, entertaining. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of grew up going to horror movies with Tamara, and you don't have to believe that either, I don't think. So, um, yeah, there you go. I grew up on horror at, well, starting at about 13, not really earlier than that. But I guess it's not really appropriate to watch horror movies earlier than about 13. So, Don't know. Um, I don't know either. I probably would have watched them earlier if I had Tamara around, but there you go. There you go. So um, that's how my week has been. And so let's talk about Basecamp, shall we? Yes, let's talk about Basecamp because right. we've got, yes. a, one, that's our topic. And two, yeah. a lot of our listeners will be returning to work. You're going to be going back into an right. office building. The pandemic Timely. is ending. And it's time for everybody to return to work and put on those fake smiles. I have to say it's not return to work. It's return to the office because we have Thank been you. fucking working. <laughs> but you see see the difference there because it's like oh when you're at home doing stuff you're, you're not just, really working you're, you're taking working. naps and yeah. eating a lot like me <laughs> you're just... but you know they get at least 15 hours of my time a day so that's plenty i can i can nap whenever i want <laughs> i started laughing because i thought for sure you were going to say a week and I was like, the truth comes out at last no i work way too much but that's just me. Anyway, and if my company is listening, I didn't say that because they really frown on, on overworking and they're all about life. What is it? Work-life balance and all that bullshit. I'm just going to big old BS flag waving <laughs> over every company that says they only they care about work-life balance. Yeah, they care about yeah. work-life balance, but it's work that comes first in that structure. That's right. <laughs> it's not life-work balance. It's nothing else. Yeah. yeah. The totally. work is what's important. It comes yeah, first. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No question. So, Theo, you might remember um, in 2020, there was a big kerfuffle when Basecamp, which is a company that makes team collaboration software and project management software, although I've never seen their project management software. I think that's Basecamp. But I'm a project manager, spoiler, I guess, and um, I've never seen the software nor heard of it. So I understand you can get it for free, though. So if you're a project manager consultant or something and you need to do project management, you might or might not, depending on your reaction to this episode, want to check it out. Anyway, so in 2020, Basecamp released a new email program called Hey on Apple Store, and Apple threatened to take it down unless the um, application allowed in-app purchases, which Apple takes 30% of. So the reason that this was a kerfuffle was because of the founder and CEO David Heinemeyer Hansen's public reaction. He said, there is never in a million years a way that I am paying Apple a third of our revenues. That is obscene and it's criminal and I will spend every dollar that we have or ever make to burn this down until we get to somewhere better. So as far as I know, nothing came of that threat and Apple simply said, hey, should never have been allowed on the Apple store at all. Well, they... Internal Apple emails. Yes, but yeah, they even said a little that? more than that. What? They said that uh, David Heidemeiner Hansen, uh, sorry, yeah. David, I've, your name is just killing me. Uh, I'm just going to call you David. Uh, they said that David was, had a penchant for drama. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Oh, God, I and stepped on your line. It's totally fine because, because it's funny and it's funny because it's true. And we know that because in April 26th of this year, 2021, the other Basecamp founder and CEO, Jason Freed, I think it's Freed, not Fried, but it's spelled like Fried. Anyway, Jason posted on his blog about some policy changes that he and David would be making at the company. And the reason that he felt the need to post on his blog about these policy changes and to make the policy changes in the first place stemmed from initial, I'm sorry, internal disagreement over a list that employees had maintained for years of quote unquote funny names of Basecamp customers. So Several of the names on the list, and management was aware of this list, were of Asian or African origin. And in 2021, employees considered the list inappropriate at best and racist at worst. 
And and fair enough. Like without seeing the list of names, and yeah. because you know I'm going to judge you the humor now, right? Um, right. They they in the articles that I read, um, they were all very careful to say that there were Anglo slash European names, sure, as well as names of African and Asian, right? And yeah. so yeah, got it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I can understand not wanting to make fun of people's names at all. Um, a, at a company, it's not professional to make fun of your customers' names. And it's certainly not professional to make fun of Asian and African names or, or you know, other, other, other races than white. So anyway, good old David said, there was some awareness at the time within the company that the list had existed and it wasn't acted upon. That is squarely on Jason's and my record. The list in itself is just a gross violation of trust. It's just wrong in all sorts of fundamental fundamental ways. So interviews with a half dozen Basecamp employees painted a portrait of a company where workers had been seeking to advance Basecamp's commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is uh, further um, abbreviated as DEI, by having sensitive discussions about the company's own failures. So this discussion was held on company forums and company software on company time. And you might think, well, the company has a right to police what is being said on its forums. Uh, and on its software during work time. Forbes says, though, it was at this point that the two CEOs stepped in, and they stepped in in all the wrong ways. Instead of openly acknowledging the problems and the issues and addressing how the company Basecamp was going to address them, they came out with a series of draconic measures. The decisions were taken by the CEOs without consulting the staff and included the immediate dismantling of the DEI council and handing over all responsibility for diversity and inclusion to the chief people officer, in other words, HR which you know how good HR is at that kind of thing. They, they also decided to ban all conversations on the internal company chat that was, in their words, political. So only work-related issues were allowed to be discussed internally, and my side note, not even political work-related issues. Um, they also put an end to the 360 reviews and directed employees to stop dwelling on the past. In conclusion, Jason Freed, the CEO, said, whoever doesn't agree with the decision is free to leave and offered three to six months severance payment. So as a result, a third of the company's 57 employees announced their decision on social media to leave Basecamp. Right. And I'm sure they weren't expecting that many people to leave. I mean, the company's only 57 people big, right? Right. So right. a third of their workforce it's like 20 left. 20 people left. That's 20 people left. Uh, and so if you figure the average salary per person is $100,000, just to throw out a sure. figure, right? Um, yeah. They were giving everybody six months uh, Three severance. Three to six months severance, yeah. Right? And so, yeah, you're into some serious money all at once there. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I'm sure they had put it in their budget for the year. <laughs> Somewhere mid-year, we're going to fuck up real bad. And so we should just set aside about $2 million to cover the fuck up. And then yeah. we'll there's our profit after that. Right, totally. Um, so the things that they announced on the blog post or that Jason announced on the blog post were no more societal and political discussions on our company Basecamp account. No more paternalistic benefits. This is what gets me. So they're calling... Paternalistic benefits, things like a fitness benefit, a wellness allowance, a farmer's market share, and continuing education allowances. Now, all I have to say is fuck you, Basecamp. So that's like taking away, I mean, it's, a, it's like they would have taken away health insurance if they could have. Oh, so, okay, so I don't know about that, right? And, and here we go. Um, there are a lot of perks that companies will create to attract talent. And, and they create perks that they think specific uh, demographics would be interested in, right? Smart people are going to want continuing education benefits, uh, sure, allegedly, right? Um, and so companies do, I've been through this many times, uh, do change their benefits packages, right? Health insurance providers change and there's no big, let's hug every employee and find out how they feel about the change. It's like, hey, we're making changes. You don't like it, you leave. That's called work. Um, I'm coming down on the side of our evil overlords here and it's making me uncomfortable. But, I, but I, well, it makes sense. It's true that that happens, but there are repercussions to that happening. Absolutely. And I think you lose camp is experiencing the repercussions of that because these people can go and are going to other companies that will give 
better benefits. And um, other things like they, they outlawed committees and they said no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions, which is basically like saying don't question your founder's decisions. It's true, yeah. No more, no more 360 reviews, which fuck whatever. Who cares? 360 reviews are bullshit anyway. Um, although, you know, maybe it's nice to have reviews of your peers. I don't know. They, they said I that hate their them. reviews. They're, they're they stupid. They said all peer reviews it, tend to be positive anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and no forgetting what we do here. We make project management, team communication, and email software. We are not a social impact company. Right. And so I think that kind of gets down to the heart of the issue. I think if Basecamp had not banned societal and political discussions on their right. free form discussion board, I mean, the irony within all of this is that Basecamp's own marketing language when they talk about Campfire, which is a group chat, right? Um, that, uh, let's see here, I want to find it exactly. Um, so on their on Basecamp's website, they describe Campfire, the chat room component, as chat casually with the group, ask random questions, and share stuff without ceremony. So it's designed to be free form discussion. If none of that had happened and Basecamp had simply changed its benefits package, we wouldn't be talking about it. Probably not. And I don't think Probably 20 people not. would have left because continuing education benefits uh, weren't there. I think Basecamp No, but it's just, just part of the whole, yeah. Yeah, they, they made a corporate decision. They, I imagine, because it's not like David called me and said, hey, Theo, what should we do? Because if he had, they wouldn't be in this situation right now. Um, so... They, they stopped the benefits, but they gave people the money that they said. Well, these benefits the rest would of the year, not forever. This. Yeah, right, right. But I mean, you know, let's, yeah. everybody's not going to work at the company forever. So, you know, right. we'll imagine that in fairness, uh, we're going to pay you out for this year. And great. And the next year, we're not doing if that. If you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, which is always the case. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can just remain dumb. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and not get those sweet, sweet continuing education benefits. So Vice said that um, Freed framed the changes as a return to personal responsibility and good faith trust in one another to do our own individual jobs well. But what it sounds like is a petty fiefdom of executives with near total control in the workplace. And Inc.com said, simply put, Basecamp's policy changes amount to privilege not being put to good use. It's privilege that works to advance the agenda of a few rather than support the well-being and advancement of many. The interesting thing is that it wasn't really the changes that caused everyone to quit who quit. It was an all-hands meeting that pushed people over the edge. So the head of strategy, Ryan Singer, questioned the existence of white supremacy at the company. He said, I strongly disagree we live in a white supremacist culture. I don't believe in a lot of the framing around implicit bias. I think a lot of this is actually racist. So that caused a big kerfuffle I in, bet. The, in the meeting, as you can imagine. Because with a there's lot of nothing worse discussion. than when a white person says, this is uh, racist against white people. I uh, mean, you once you say that, you clearly don't understand the issue. So you no. just shouldn't be speaking. You shouldn't be, the, you shouldn't be speaking. You shouldn't be in the position of head of strategy. You shouldn't be um, walking around in public. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big world, and you know, I mean, and a lot of people should stay home. <laughs> well, a lot of people did, <laughs> just well, the yeah, wrong yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. stayed home, right. and they've been we outside running around without their masks on. Oh um, my god, well, but, a lot of them are dead now. <laughs> <laughs> Truth and fairness doctrine, sad. right? Um, we might not want to talk about that, say that. But anyway, um, so Singer was suspended after the meeting and later, a few days later, resigned. Well, he resigned slash was he suspended, right? I think it's kind sure of he was. open. He says he resigned right after that because he recognized that he wouldn't be, he was going to be an issue for the company. Um, he was probably given the opportunity to resign. What I love, yeah, probably he was given the opportunity to resign. And let's see if I can find that quote. Dang it. He, where'd it go? He said something about uh, in that, I think it was in that same Friday afternoon morning mm -hmm. meeting uh, yeah. about if you take a different perspective from the, we'll call it oh, the cultural yeah. norm, right? That yeah. people call you a Nazi. 
And yeah. I've just got to say, um, Mr. Singer, I haven't called yeah. many things in my entire life. <laughs> and rightfully and sometimes wrongly, many yeah. things. Like, I, right. oh my God. And I've been a jerk and a dick and, and awful and horrible. Uh-huh. And I have never been called a Nazi. Never, ever, ever. I've never ever. called anyone a Nazi. I've never, I've never called never anyone called a Nazi. Nazi. So now, if someone's calling you a Nazi, there's a problem. If somebody you. is calling you a Nazi, and this wouldn't be for our listeners because yeah, anybody is listening this far to the podcast, the sensibilities, right? Unless they hate <laughs> listening. Um, but if just world, if anyone calls you a Nazi, you need to take a step back and re-examine your life or the situation because maybe you are being a racist pig. Yeah. Inadvertently. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I've never called anybody a Nazi, not, not even in fun. I might like use Nazi as a compound, you know, and I might say like, don't be a fashion Nazi. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe I've said that like. I mean, probably not anymore, but maybe in the past. In the past for sure. Because Nazis yeah. were super funny in the 90s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seinfeld, the soup Nazi. I mean, I've that's never right. seen that's an episode, true. but I've heard of it. So, okay. I've, no, I've don't get mad at me. I get not mad at Jerry. Um, the interesting thing about this whole, these, these dudes who are in charge of this company is that one of them, or maybe both of them, anyway, the company itself has published five books on work culture. And one of them about working remotely was a New York Times bestseller. So I, I understand that the, the books were criticized roundly on Twitter, but what isn't criticized roundly on Twitter? Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, that that there are five books that were published and sold. I don't know how well they sold, but on work culture. And then they go and they screw up their work culture just like this. So, well, this is the problem when you think you're smarter than everybody else everyone around Everyone else. Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's unfortunate that the owners didn't didn't read their own books. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, so James runs a company and yeah. he has lots of different people that work for him and yeah. a lots of younger people that work for him. Generational right. differences, right? right? Yeah. And... And he would say that the current uh, workforce is more concerned about a company's social positions than they are really about like their pay or right. their benefits. Everybody wants to work somewhere where they can feel good and proud to, yeah. to be there and be contributing, not just to society, but to the betterment of the world. Great. Right. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Which totally makes sense. And so his company does a lot with uh, anti-sex trafficking and as opposed to the promotion of sex trafficking. Um, right. And, uh, and so I was asking him, hey, if this sort of a thing happened, how would you have handled it? Because that's what I was looking right. for. Right. I, I know how I would have handled it, which would have been perfectly. Sure. Right. Of course. Of course. It just and he was like. I never would have gotten in that position in the first place. Yeah. You, you never open the door for, hey, whole company, let's all get together and let's all yeah. talk about our feelings. Because he was like, yeah. the minute you do that, Bad news. you have people that all of a sudden need to be running the company better than you can. So now you have all of these junior staff level people saying, we need to look at the profit and losses from 1985 to understand exactly where money's been spent, right? And it's like- you know, there's there's some things are. I don't know how we're going to finish that. Some things are. Some things are. Some things um, are, and that's just the truest statement ever. And one employee said that there's always been an unwritten rule at base camp that the company basically exists for David and Jason's enjoyment. At the end of the day, they are not interested in seeing things in their work timeline that makes them uncomfortable or distracts them from what they're interested in. And this is the culmination of that. Now, I've worked at a number of companies where that's the case. Well, at least, at least one. And it was always really uncomfortable to be there. And it was a very unpleasant working environment. And I could totally, have, I could totally see those people doing the same thing that David and Jason did um, around social it's Culture. it's terrible. I've worked at a corporation that was very corporate, um, but small, yeah. like there were 100 people, but it was, it was city involved and very, very corporate, right? And we had a thing where 
we went uh, through company uh, policies and procedures looking for something called yeah. sacred cows, which are just these time suckers that are traditional. The company's always done this this way, and uh-huh. we're just always uh-huh. going to do it that way. And to, uh-huh. and to come back with uh, ways to make it better, right? Get rid of the yeah. sacred cows. Identify them and make okay. them better, right? So they formed a committee. We did all the work, and we were to present it a year later at the big company meeting. And right. we did, and the president was like, oh, I forgot we were even doing this. And it had been my oh, life God. for a year. On oh top God. of my regular job, right, yeah. which I also did. Yeah, um, of course. And so the way that uh, David and, oh, my God, I've already forgotten his first name because it's Freed. Jason? Jason, thanks. Jason. Weird how I'm focused on one guy's first name and one guy's last name. <laughs> and I'm going to say Freed is just one letter shift away from fired. And uh, Jason <laughs> and David, be. oh, guys, come on. Um, so what you do is you don't dissolve your DEI committee, right? Right. You let them right. go through the paces. You just tighten up their focus. Right. Right. And, you know, it's not, hey, guys, identify every moment in time where this company has done something wrong, but rather let's find employees that have been discriminated against or feel disincluded, unincluded, not included. What's a negative uh-huh. of included? Unincluded. 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 Uh, so, excluded. Hey. <laughs> there you go. There it is. That's the That's word. why I got the big brain. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> And then you let them do their thing and you take their recommendations and you file them away in a bottom drawer and you say thank you. Well, or you do something with them. No, you fire everybody on that list. (laughs) (laughs) But slowly over time, so nobody knows that that's what's happening. You get rid of the troublemakers. That's how you run a company. Fast Company would disagree with you. They said DEI is not a nice-to-have project. DEI is the correction of historical inequity that has set back people's careers, families' wealth, and communities' progress, and it's hard, necessary work that has to be approached with humility and care. In 2021, it should no longer be seen as optional or something to be leveraged just when building an employer brand. People tend to see it as fashion work, passion work, but it's a strategic organizational commitment, says Dia Khanna, a DEI manager in the tech industry. We aren't going to get immediate results, but progress hinges on goals, data measurement, and a culture of accountability. The more resources you put in, the more you get in the form of safe and sustainable work culture. And Forbes said the cautionary tale of Basecamp, the web-based software company based in Chicago, should serve, therefore, as a lesson to many who may only want to scratch the surface of DNI without also embracing the discomfort and pain of real change and reckoning. And now I work at a company that is, um, well, I don't think we have a DEI um, organization or a DEI group, but the company as a whole is committed to um, DEI, basically. It's um, founded and run by people of color, and it's a fair percentage of the people at the company. I don't know the statistics. I should look it up and see if it's as good as I think it is, um, are people of color. And there are people of color in management positions. And every basically everything we do is, is discussed at the company with um, an eye towards equity, diversity, and and, uh, inclusion. So I feel very fortunate to be working at this company. And one of the reasons I got into pharmaceuticals or the pharmaceutical field, whatever, um, at all, was because I wanted to feel like I was doing something useful and not just, you know, making flower pots. It wasn't for the free drugs? Well, the free drugs were a benefit, you know, an undeniable benefit, especially with drugs like the company that I work for makes, uh, like, for... Well, I won't say what for. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they don't even apply to me, the drugs this company makes. But but it's, it's, a, it's a great company, and I'm very happy to be there. Um, so it's not only a good benefit knowing that my company makes drugs for people who really need them, and I know there's a lot of criticism of the pharmaceutical industry that is valid, um, and we can talk about that on another episode. But it's also good to know that this company is committed to diversity. I think that's just absolutely fantastic. And it's the kind of thing that that I th- I'll say I think everybody likes to see. I think everybody likes to see a company that has its its eye bent towards social justice feels like yeah. a big thing, but sure, we'll we'll yeah. use that, right? The company yeah. that James uh, works for was founded by a woman and she has a couple of companies of varying sizes um, mm-hmm. and she spends a lot of her, um, let's call it uh, free time and resources in promoting women in work, right? And it right. goes outside of 
oh, let's have a brunch for women at yeah, work, right? Yeah. It goes yeah, into yeah. providing funding for female farmers uh, in in coffee-producing countries, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just amazing. And that's something that they bring into their branding. And on one hand, you could say, it could be argued, right? Like, um, sorry, V, for saying this. It could be argued that like, well, that's a marketing tactic. That, that's a ploy, right? That's how you differentiate your brand from other brands. But, you know, is it sincere? And because I happen to know her personally, I can say like, yeah, it's very sincere, right? Um, but it's also not stupid to bring yeah, that into yeah. your branding. Um, sure. So, yes. Yeah, so companies are looking for ways to incorporate societal improvements, good issues it, into their brand, right? Um, I was thinking about this earlier, so I'm going to take you back in time. Okay. Remember in the 80s? Yep. Yep. Okay. So sure in do. the 80s, it was, you know, you bought something, you were saving the rainforest, you were not promoting apartheid in South Africa, right? Or or it was for AIDS, right? Those were the, the big things. And, and world hunger, right? But I remember like buying soap, and I bought the soap because, like, a dollar went to the rainforest. Right. Now, that dollar was made out of paper that came from the rainforest, but that's a whole <laughs> other thing. Um, right. And then in the 90s, we had, like, United Colors of Benelton and the Body Shop, where it was sort of like your purchases went towards huggy world closeness, right? All one people, all one people. Uh, that kind of faded. And now we're moving into where products actually have to do something good. So we could look at like Tom's shoes, right? You buy a pair, you give a pair. Or Bomba right, socks, right, right. you buy a pair, you give a pair. But not only do you buy a pair, or give a pair, these companies post on their website how many donations they've actively made. And you can talk to the organizations that are getting it. And you can trace down the the chain to make sure this is happening, right? Um, and and that's marvelous. So people are looking to feel good and do good when they make a purchase. And unfortunately for Basecamp, they had a position where they were sort of champions of inclusive culture, you know, uh, I don't want to call it humanity at work, but you know they were they were big on allowing for remote work and and life work balance. Let's put life first in that. Um, and now we find out that like it's terrible. It's all pretend, and people who have money just like money. Yeah, exactly. There's my lecture. I hear you. Thank you for attending my TED talk. <laughs> I don't have a response. Because <laughs> it's so right, but where do you think the, the do you think the trend has gone too far? Like you'll hear, of course not. Not no, no, it hasn't gone far enough. No, that everybody should be forced to be socially equitable and diverse, and uh, if they, if not, they should be closed down. The company should be closed down. Okay, so <laughs> so it's not just a bunch of whiny Gen Zers now, right? Because. Um, David and Jason are both. The first thing I did was like, how old are they? Are they Gen Z? Yeah, I figured they were young. They're well, they're in their forties, so no. And one guy's well, forty-seven. Young compared to me. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, it's not that young compared to me. <laughs> no, not not young um, at all. So not a surprise. So it they're happened. coming from the one standpoint, and their staff is coming from another standpoint. Exactly. I, I mean, that's yeah. how I. But I, I think it's encouraging that the young people are all up into DEI stuff. And are interested in improving society. And I don't think it's fake because why would you fake something like that if you have no... Oh, it's, I don't think it's fake at all, right? Okay. I, I think it's it's very sincerely felt. And it, and it's true. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, they yeah. are whiny babies. No, that that's not it at all. But I, but I can hear another generation just above me saying... Oh, totally. You, Suck it up. You Deal. got a job and you're sad that like uh, there's not enough diversity in in your... Yeah. Uh, are you kidding? That's your problem? You should Go be outside and hug a, a tree. <laughs> yeah, those people, they, they need to go away. Well, they are. That's <laughs> <laughs> Gradually, <laughs> It's yes. part of the shifting of but, culture. But, you know, I remember when it was the 80s and we said, oh, all the bad people are going to die and everything's going to be great. Well, they died and one <laughs> came along. <laughs> Don't tell anybody we said stuff like that. 
you know, those old people died and more people came to replace <laughs> More them, people so. just got older. And it's the truth yeah, is it's old right. people are assholes. Um, that's right. We're becoming assholes as we get older. Not me. I, I, I get younger every day. Uh, but I was going to say, remember... Um, Chrissy Teigen in 2011 sent those uh, mean tweets Text to Courtney yes. Stodden, right? Stodden. And that was in 2011. And you were yeah. like, in 2011, were we just such assholes? Well, yeah. this funny name list, guess what yeah. year it was started in? 1984. 2011. 2011? 2011 wow. is when Basecamp's customer service Jeez. staff started the list of funny names. And I get... Um, I have worked in retail, so that is customer service, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And it can it can be brutal. It can suck. Oh yeah. Right. I totally understand starting a list like that. It's not sure. appropriate, but I understand it. I yeah. mean you're just trying to survive, man. It's just it's the venting, right? Yeah, and then the yeah. uh the employee who actually started the list uh, left the company a while back and has apologized for that list and says, you know, yeah, it was inappropriate and, and that's not cool. But the list lived on past the employee's termination date, right? It didn't die with the employee. Um, so I mean, what point does that make other than 2011 was the year where we were all assholes, apparently? God, I thought that we were better by then, but I thought we were better in the 80s and I guess things were worse than I remember them being because I remember people being concerned about social justice and stuff like that. And I guess maybe it was, I was living in a bubble as I still am. Well, but I mean, the entire, this is the biggest thought for the day, everyone. The entire okay. world is living in a bubble. Of what? Of space. <laughs> All right, Theo, there you go. There you go. I'm not even stoned in that. <laughs> It's seven o'clock in the morning. Why aren't you stoned yet? <laughs> it's a Monday. So let's talk. Let's talk about the apology. You want to? Well, would it be great if I said no? <laughs> I'm done with apologies. Goodbye. You know, I just feel like apologies have had their day, and everyone has said sorry and accepted. Let's just move on. We don't need to look at the past or what happened. Um, That's right. Like they said, do not question decisions of the past. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's look into this. Okay. Jason, I think another blog post said last week was terrible. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long and boring, um, but I'll read the, the, the relevant parts for our apology purposes. Last week was terrible. We started with policy changes that felt simple, reasonable, and principled, gag, and it blew things up internally in ways we never anticipated. David and I completely owned the consequences and we're sorry. We have a lot to learn and reflect on, and we will. To our staff who remains with us, we know it's tough to see colleagues leave, and we're sorry we put you through that experience, but we deeply appreciate that you're sticking with us. Do you have anything to add to that apology? I do, because uh, there's two pieces in here that I felt were like, okay, oh, okay, here's where you are an asshole, Jason. Um, and that is uh, where he says, the new policies stand, but we have some refining and clarifying to do, which basically means we don't want to hear your bullshit, but yeah. we just need to find a better way to say it so that we don't lose market share, right? Um, and in, uh, then... This one, this is first to our former colleagues. This will be the 20 people who quit. We know you'll go on to do great things. We wish you all the best. Your hard work and dedication over the years made Basecamp a better place. Thank you. We'll miss you and we'll be rooting for you. I mean, I've heard fuck you in several different languages, but when you do it in corporate speak, yeah, yeah that that's a very don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, you think so? I, I do. I think so. When I read it, I was like, ooh, honey, no. I didn't know what to make of it. I it, didn't have an opinion either way. Uh, yeah, for me, that, I like, found that's it, the meat uh, of the matter. I figured it would be unlikely if it was genuine and heartfelt. So you're probably right. It's not genuine and heartfelt. It's a fuck you. Uh, it, in my professional opinion, as an apologist. Apologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the correct pronunciation. of That's how my phone spells. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies now. Um, I don't know. Twitter fingers. Um, but so, okay. Uh, so, yeah, not, not loving it so far. No. So let's, let's take a minute here and review the elements of a good apology. 
So we talked about this a couple episodes back um, when we discussed apologies in general. And one of the important elements of a good apology is to say you're sorry. Not I'm sorry, but, but I'm sorry. So did they say they're sorry? Yes. They said, we're sorry. And then they said, we're sorry again. So they didn't say we're sorry, but, and they didn't really imply we're sorry, but, except in that they said the policies that everyone is upset about stand. So that's kind of a but. So I would give the say you're sorry part kind of a B. Uh-huh. Um, and then another element of good apology is to own the mistake. And you need to show the person that you wrong that you're willing to take responsibility for your actions. And they said, David and I completely own the consequences. So, okay, they're owning the consequences. They're willing to live with the effects of what they did. Um, they're willing to accept that people have um, quit. And they're going to move on. So, okay, they've owned the mistake. Uh, another element is describe what happened. So the person that you wrong needs to know that you understand what you did. Um, and they pretty much described what happened. They said we had policy changes, although they felt like they were good. We thought it was a good idea. It blew up in ways that we couldn't figure that were going to happen because we're idiots. Um, basically, they described what happened. Yeah. yeah. Who could yeah. have predicted that this would go wrong? Who knew that talking about racial, <laughs> social inequality in the workplace would present issues with people who are of different races and different and experience equality in different ways or and experience who knew inequality? That shutting it, and who knew that shutting it all down and taking away your benefits was going to be a questionable response? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the so, thing, right? Because I've in my head, I've separated the taking away of the benefits and shutting it all down is two different acts. Like one, oh, that's a normal corporate thing, thing to do. And then but yeah. when you what you've just said, I'm like, oh wow, yeah, no, those were two bad things on top of each other. Yeah, it's like they're punishing people for discussing. Well, that's it exactly. They're the punishing workplace. people. They're punishing people. We don't um, like the way you're making us feel. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, another element of a good apology is to have a plan. Let the person you wrong know how you're going to fix a situation. Well, they didn't do that. They just said, we have a lot to learn and reflect on, and we will. They, ha they haven't said what they're going to do to uh, behave differently in the future. Well, but we'll so be rooting for you, big, though. Yeah, we'll be rooting for you. <laughs> That's a big red flag for me. Um, and then they, you need to admit that you're wrong, which they did. They said they were sorry, and they did. Well, did they? Do you think they admitted they were wrong? No, because they, they're keeping the policies in place that people didn't there, like. There's, right. There's no, there's no language that says we're going to look at this again with, through a different lens. It's yeah. everything's going to stay the way that we've said it was, but we're going to come back and make it prettier. You know? We're yeah. Gonna we're going to clarify. We're going to talk a lot and say nothing, but we're not going to change our, our policy. We're not going to change our stance. We're going to still prohibit you from discussing politics in the workplace. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that's the drag here is, I mean, there's a lot of drags here, but one of the drags is that uh, base camp holds itself forth as hiring the cream of the crop, the best of the best. And if you get into base camp, if they hire you, you are a fucking champion, right? You're top of your game, you're top of your, and you're important. And what you say is important and what you feel is important. And that's how they made everybody feel up until it wasn't. And then everybody got a big bucket of reality dumped on them. And yeah, and it, it hurt because all of a sudden, no, you're not that special. Then all the committees were shut down and all of the things they were trying to do to make the company a better place and, and uh, have some impact on social justice were just completely shut down. They were told not to question the founders' um, opinions and um, no more talking about decisions. And basically, if you're leaving, here's the door. And it's funny because they remove paternalistic uh, benefits and then here they are behaving like parents. Here's the rule. Exactly. And if you don't like it, there's the door. Exactly. Absolutely. So they did not admit that they were wrong. And they certainly did not ask for forgiveness. They did say they were sorry, but I don't think they asked for forgiveness. Um, they, they were not vulnerable. They didn't come at this from a place of sincerity. 
And I think sincerity is probably one of the most important factors of a good apology. I think if you have all of the above, if you say you're sorry, you own the mistake, you describe what happened, you have a plan, you admit you were wrong and ask for forgiveness. If you do all that and you're not sincere, which is going to be pretty obvious to the person you're talking to, then it is is worthless. It's pointless. It's just manipulative. Yeah. Don't go through the exercise of apologizing. Save everybody the time. Yeah. Yourself included. Why are you bothering? Exactly. Exactly. So how do you feel about this apology, given uh, all of the things we've discussed? Yeah. Well, so how would you rate it on a one to 10 scale? Well, so I can't, I can't give it less than Chrissy Teigen's apology, but I think I'm going to. Um, and, and here's why. I gave Chrissy a four because I like her, but yeah. <laughs> She's so bad. bad. That was bad. It was really bad, Chrissy. (laughs) You're naughty. No. (laughs) No. Um. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, uh, some of those tweets were really... Not her tweets to Courtney, but some of her tweets in the past have... have, Her, yeah. She's had some good things. I mean, like my therapist once told me, even a stopwatch is right twice a day. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Yes, my mind has just been blown. Um, okay, but anyway, yeah. So, so back to this because it's not about Chrissy Teigen today. Um, so, I too, um, I feel like it's very corporate. Um, but here's here's why I give it such a lower score. Right? They base camp and the founders, Jason and David, have set themselves up as authorities on work life balance on being 21st century work representatives of having inclusion and blah, blah, blah. So they're not practicing what they preach. And for a company that claims to assist other corporations in um, organizing themselves, organizing their business and their teams, their staff, right? Um, Bad, bad, bad. It's just, you know, no. Yeah, absolutely. I would personally give this a zero. Because I feel like the the harm it's done is greater than the good that it's done. And hopefully everyone will leave this company and they'll be sorry. They'll be sorry now. They'll be oh, sorry now. Speaking of which, now. who's sorry now, Theo? <laughs> and our podcast has just changed to they'll be sorry now. <laughs> so do you have a who's sorry now? I do week? have a who's sorry now. Um, oh, yay. Yay. And, uh, and I managed to keep it on track and on theme. So once upon a time, I managed a chain bookstore and I managed it for two years, three years um, and loved it. I worked really hard. I basically lived in that store. And one of my, the thing I prided myself on was having a store where staff wanted to come to work, right? Not like, oh, we're all friends and it's great, but hey, we're all friends and you have you have a voice here and I'm going to listen to you. And I did because I'd worked in stores under many different types of people and I knew what sucked, right? And I just promised myself I would never do that. But at the same time, as the grandchild of a Swedish-French girl who grew up on a farm, uh, <laughs> it's very much like, work is good for you. You will work uh-huh. and work and work, and you will work again, <laughs> and you will work for the rest of your life. That's not how uh-huh. my grandmother spoke, but it's the no, feeling yeah. that that invoked. Um, you know, if you cut your leg off and you come hopping into the house, what are you complaining about? You have a leg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that sounded more tragic than funny after I said <laughs> it. It was really funny in my head. Um so anyway, long story short, I left and my staff had a going away party for me and I didn't show up. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Yep. I didn't show up. Uh, it was two hours away from wow. where I lived and I didn't show up. Um, Holy shit, and, really? Yeah. And I didn't call. And, oh my God. And I just, I didn't. Um and, and part of it was that <laughs> I knew it was a going away party, but it was yeah. a surprise going away party. Oh. And that I felt was my out. There was just a, hey, could you come by the store on Saturday at 7 p.m. or whenever it was? And I said like, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, I'll be there. Sure. But, uh, but I was done with the store um, and part of not excusing, right. But just to say, I didn't just decide to quit uh, customer uh, 
reached over the counter and grabbed my throat. Uh, oh my God. When I wouldn't give him a refund for a book that had been out of print for a few years. And wow. uh, called me some names and stormed out of the store and drove off in a shiny red Jeep. Um, and that's when I was like, you know, I can't do this. I, I can't work 70 hours a week. No lie. Um, I can't drive two hours each way to and from work and, and put up with this for what? Right? No, I can't. And so, so I quit and I didn't quit on the spot. I gave plenty of notice. I think I gave four weeks, right? Which in retail, please, you know, if people yeah, quit on happens. the spot on the time. Um, yeah. so anyway, having said all that, I would like to apologize to that team of people. It wasn't personal. It wasn't about them. It wasn't that they weren't worth the two hour trip. It's just that I was done and I didn't yeah. feel the need to go up and put in an appearance. Um, I thought it was like a, a going away party they were holding for you at some restaurant or something that you didn't show up. So I didn't oh, realize no. it was just a thing. No, it was in the, yeah. oh, oh, <laughs> it was okay. in the store. Thank you. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was in, it was the, in store. the store. That's not as bad. Um, and it just had cake or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And they all yeah, lived yeah. like within walking distance slash closer to the store than I did. Um, and so all that said, fast forward like a year and I was working part time uh, for the same for Walden Books again with a friend on the weekends because I just loved working at a bookstore. And my old staff over time learned that I was there on weekends and some of them came in to say they thought I was a jerk. Wow, really? Which I really respected. I, oh. and, you know, and I apologized to each of them and kind of, you know, and I remember one girl was just like, you know, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but uh, it was still a jerk thing to do when I was like, okay, you're right. That's what makes me a hero. I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> you, you, you're able to do the tough things. Exactly. <laughs> I know I'm not perfect, which is what makes me perfect. Okay, so yeah. you, who's sorry now? Let's get out of my ugh, path. Hey, everybody, that was 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've grown since then. You've matured. Wild books went out of business, too. I know, I think. that's funny. Oh, yeah, they did. Um, okay, so I have one. I have a, it's not related to the topic at hand, but it's by request. So it's a special request apology. Ooh. Grant wanted me to apologize to him for something. So um, I'm apologizing um, for asking our friend, who we'll call Mike, to move in to our house. When so, so Mike's apartment burned down. Okay. And Brent yesterday or a year ago? No, no, no. This is, this is like five, six years ago. Okay, okay. Um, so Brent was in rehab at the time, and there was all this space in the house, so to speak. There wasn't really, but um, this, guy's, this guy's apartment just burned down. So I was like, why don't you come and stay here until you get stuff together? Because Brent wasn't here, and I figured um, it would be fine with Brent because they were really good friends, and they'd lived together in the past, and I thought it would be okay. Um, but uh, as it turns out, um, it didn't work out that well. He ended up staying here for like a year. A year? I know he did. And we finally, I finally got sick of him and just basically threw him out. And he and Brent are still friends, but he and I are definitely not friends still. Um, but I'm sorry that I invited this guy to move in to our house without asking Brent for his opinion, because he would have said no, because he had lived with him in the past and would never have agreed. <laughs> the reason the guy's house burned down is he burned it down. So... <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, I get it. He's a troublemaker. So, you didn't know that. Um, I didn't know like what it was going to be like. Although I didn't think it was that bad, but um, it, it got it got so that I I was done with him, and it was time for him to go. And when I found out that his family had money, and I was basically letting him live with us for free because I felt sorry for him um, and had no need to feel sorry for him because he totally could have afforded another apartment. Uh, that was about when I got done. So. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm going to say, yeah. so this does ring a very faint bell with me. Um, does it? It does. Five, six years ago. Mm, uh, yeah. And so, yikes. Yeah. And that's the worst part, yeah. right? It's like you never live with somebody for more than a couple of months and keep a couple like three and under. Yeah. You just, I, and that's what I thought was going to happen. It was just going to be a couple of months and then he would get his stuff together and move out. So, Brent, I'm very sorry that I invited Mike to move in with us and did not ask your opinion first. And I will never do it again. 
I will certainly never do it again. Never, Mike is and, never living with us again. <laughs> I was wrong. I, uh, I uh, take responsibility for what I did. I'm sorry that it upsets you. Um, and I'm sorry that I did it. And please forgive me. Wow. Well, and you were rightfully punished by having somebody come and live with you for a year. <laughs> having to live with him. I know. Oh, my God. Jeez. I just, I feel totally taken advantage of by that guy now. But well, it's a, well, I, mean, I, I had good intentions. So. Your intentions were above repro- reproach. Hi, can't say the word, <laughs> but that's very true. Um, I can see that you were just trying to be nice and helpful and if your house burned down and somebody said, hey, come live with yeah. me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, what a port in a storm. Thank you, right? Sure. Um, I'd be like, great. But then within three months, I'd be like, I need to totally. find my place. And then how you show your appreciation is you get the fuck out. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And while you're there, you, you're on your best behavior. Uh-huh. Because you don't live right? there. You're a guest I in mean, the like house. You make, you make dinner for people, you clean the house, you do all sorts of stuff, which this guy never did. You're the maid. So. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, funny, once upon a time, James, when he first yeah. came to America and we first moved into our first apartment together, and our first yeah. month together, right? Oh, boy. Um, now, we'd been in the same city for a year, but the, that was the rule. Like, okay, you can move to America and you can live in my city because I own LA. Right. Um, right. But we're not moving in together. We're going to make right. sure that like, this is okay. Right. Right. Uh, and so that's what we did. It's the one smart thing I've done in my life. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, first year went by fine. We moved in. Great. And then uh, he came home from work one day with this girl and Oh. That was not unusual because James oh. is a very social person and he uh, uh. would bring people from work over all the time. Uh, okay. So I just figured, oh, okay, great. Friday, here's a friend coming from work. Mm-hmm. We're going to hang out. No, he invited her to come live with us because we had a spare <gasps> bedroom. And he asked me in front of her. Oh, my gosh. And she had her suitcase. Oh, my gosh. Because she had just moved to L.A. from wherever. Um, I say wherever because nowhere counts outside of LA. And um, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, sure. And at first it was it was fine. She was a very nice yeah. girl. There was nothing about her. Um, yeah. And then it just kept going on and on. Oh and my God. At a certain point, and I mean a couple of months later, I was like, she is never gonna leave. And it went from yeah, yeah, she cleaned the house, and yeah, she was neat and tidy, to then yeah. it wasn't. And then we were living with yeah. her in her apartment yeah. that she wasn't paying right. for because that was the other right. thing. Yeah. Um, oh my God. And so, yeah. And then I just made it an issue with her. I was like, dude, look, um, you got to find a place to live and I'm going to help you because yeah. I know it's big and scary yeah. out there. So I'll go with you on roommate interviews. I'll go with you to look at apartments. I'm going to totally generous. help you get the fuck out of my house because that's what's happening. <laughs> wow. Good yeah. for you. And she did? Yeah, she did. And I don't think we spoke again after that because I'm sure yeah. she felt very pushed out. But like, I'm oh, real shit. sorry, but I'm not. Yeah. Uh, but right, she exactly. introduced us to Netflix. And so thank you for that. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know any of that had happened. Yeah, it sucked. Um, but it, you know, <laughs> it wasn't her fault. It was just she didn't make a lot of money and L.A. was expensive. It was James' and, fault. And it was his <laughs> fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that was terrible that he did that to you, but that's kind of exactly what I did to Brad. It's so. awful. It's the worst thing you can do to somebody. <laughs> that's, I, I, if he did that to me, I would be like, I can't believe you would do that to me. How could you How could you invite somebody to move into the house without talking to me? First, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, call me. Unbelievably bad, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, man. So I'm very sorry, Brad. Well, in fairness, we didn't have text messages back then. And oh, wait, no, we did. That was five, five or six years, years ago. ago. We yeah, totally yeah, you could have sent him a text. I was trying to build a defense you for you. <laughs> oh, man. But defense fell down. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's it, right? <laughs> I don't know. What else have you done to Brett? <laughs> that's enough. Well, there's more, but I'll save that for another episode. All right, great. Well, yeah, I think that's enough. Uh, we haven't solved anything here, but we certainly have um, had a lot of fun looking at. 
base camp and it's unfortunate when people who hold themselves forward as the i don't know as the rule makers fuck up the leaders yeah the epitome of they failed to lead in this case very much so all right everybody thank you so much for giving us another hour or so of your time we really appreciate it we're uh, very glad that you listened to us and we'll see you next week take care everyone bye listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>